Hi, my name is Sinclair, and I feel excited about my running life. Welcome to another episode of The Running Brunch. I'm Peter Cunningham, here with... Ben Ledbetter. Ben Ledbetter. Coming in at six foot two, hailing from New Jersey, Florida, Colorado, and Arkansas, Ben Ledbetter. Uh, we've had a long day, and so this intro is going to be great. Uh, I just got done doing a workout. Uh, I did 12 by 400 across Lake Fayetteville Dam. So that means I ran across that dam. 24 times. Yeah. Saw the same guy on reps 3 through 11, sitting on a bench, staring out at the lake, probably wanting a really peaceful night, and except he got me going, <gasps> go, both going by fast and going by slow. Um, I feel bad for him. I probably really ruined the, he probably had a rough, this is what I'm imagining. Guy goes to work, probably spilled his coffee on his pants on the way to work. It's like, dang, that sucks. You know the song that comes on the radio and it's like, not my day. Not my day, nah, not my day. That's this guy's, he's the music video. And he gets to work. His boss is like, hey, we need you to pick the printer. It's jammed. And he's like, I'm not an, I'm not an electronics guy. He's like, too bad. That's what you're doing. Otherwise, you're fired. And he's like, oh, crap. So he figures, figures it out. Uh, fixes the printer, but it takes four hours. It makes him late for a meeting. Yeah. Uh, his lunch is cold now because he heated it up while he was trying to fix the printer. What did he have for lunch? Uh, he had one of those microwavable meals that really aren't that good, but you buy it anyway because it's fast. Yeah. Uh, on the way home, traffic on 49. He's like, man, I re- I just need something good to happen. I'm going to go to Lake Fayetteville. It's never let me down. Beautiful sunset. Mm. There's probably going to be some random old guy fishing that's going to remind me of my grandpa. Get there. No one else is on the dam. He's sitting there. All of a sudden, who's this kid? Why is he running so fast? Ah, oh, well, that was good. Oh, wait, he's running back by me again. Oh, wait, now he's running again. Why is this kid running so much? Oh, gosh, I wish this kid would leave. And that's how I ruined that guy's nice, peaceful leaving. Sorry, guys, sitting on the bench at Lake Fayetteville today. Um, Peter, how was your day? I didn't run. Okay. I didn't uh, ruin at least a man's day on Lake Fayetteville. Oh, I didn't, not at Lake Fayetteville. I may have ruined someone's day. I hope not. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I, I don't think I, I don't really think I did, but that would be, that's my head cannon now. Yeah. Uh, it was a good day. Nothing too crazy. Uh, every Tuesday morning, I volunteer for a, an organization here in town called Potter's House, and I help pick up um, six-week-old to four-year-olds to go to preschool. It's honestly the highlight of my week, and there's a kid that sits behind me. We were parked while my passenger was going to pick up the next kiddo and as we're sitting there i point out a squirrel to him outside the car and he and he pronounces squirrel as squirrel (laughs) and so i try to get him to say squirrel as many times as possible squirrel and then i i we see the squirrel kind of running across and i go what's he doing he's like he's going to pick up food and i said what do you think squirrels eat and he goes croissants (laughs) and and it was just the greatest. I, I wish that uh, we could watch a squirrel uh, discover a croissant and just have the greatest day ever gathering it and taking it back to its family. That would and, be incredible. And delishing, uh, having a delicious croissant. So croissant. He almost said it maybe because of his three- or four-year-old uh, still developing mm-hmm. voice. Uh, he almost said it pretty French-like. He, he said croissant. Croissant. <laughs> it's pretty great. That's awesome. So that was my Tuesday morning. Pretty fun. 
and uh, and we get to end the day with a, a conversation with Sinclair Johnson. Sinclair Johnson. Tell our listeners that don't know Sinclair well about Sinclair Johnson. She is professional runner. Mm-hmm. She uh, went to high school in Florida, ran there. Shout out to the state of Florida. Go Come Gators. On. Go Seminoles. Go Bulls. Go Knights. Go Hawks. Oh, go Ospreys. Shout out to UNF. Nice. Um, she. What about the Argonauts? Who's the Argonauts? Isn't that uh, West Florida? Isn't that? Yep. Probably. Where Myra went? Yep. Like I said, all the ones matter. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, nope. So went to went to school in Florida. I uh, ended up going to Oklahoma State. Um, won the fifteen hundred meter outdoor national championship for senior year in two thousand nineteen. Um, went on to go to Bowerman Track Club, based out of Oregon, and then transferred to another Nike program called the UAC or the Union Athletics Club, um, coached by Pete Julian. She's uh, pretty quick, 800 PR of 159.91, 1500 to 358.85, saucy, uh, and then a mile PR of 433.80. Uh, so pretty quick. Pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and so she has uh, graciously, also, she's graciously provided Peter with some phenomenal running advice, coaching advice, 1500 meter advice for his kiddos that he coaches at John Brown University. Um, and has, after that, has decided that she would enjoy coming on our podcast. So we are just so thankful that she's here today. Um, she is two hours behind us because she is up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and so we're just, we're just jazzed to have her on. Absolutely jazzed. Yeah. Peter, anything else to add? No, just stoked. Uh, I've enjoyed watching her career over the last few years uh, from when she was at OSU and until now. And once again, absolutely tickled that we get to spend some time with with someone like, like Sinclair. So, Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we're great. We got you perfect. Okay, no like background noise nope. or anything. Okay, nope, cool. Great. I'm in my altitude tent right now. I don't know That's if you can awesome. really see it. And like the generators are really loud, so I wasn't sure if it's picking up on that. But no, we're not okay. getting that at all. Cool. Sounds good. That's awesome. So altitude. <laughs> I don't know if awesome is the right word to <laughs> describe it. It's definitely interesting. <laughs> is this something that's new for you? Um, like with the UAC? Yeah. Yeah, so we're just trying something a little different this year. Um, I think I tend, like, I respond really well off of altitude, but I also tend to not, like, be able to do more than, like, four or five weeks at altitude. Um, And so things just start to kind of get into, like, a a hole a little bit. So we're trying this out so I can spend essentially more time at altitude without having to, like, be away and, like, go on camps and stuff because I feel like being home is a little bit more... Um, I don't know, just more relaxing for me. Um, so yeah, trying this new this year. So we'll see. And essentially I'm trying to like spend at least 12 hours a day in it. So it's like 10 hours at night and then like another two hours during the days, which is why I'm in it right now. So that's awesome. amazing. Where, yeah. where did you first like realize where did the conversation start of, I do really well with altitude. How did we did discover mm-hmm. that? Um, kind of just like when I went to camps and stuff, we just, Whenever I'd come off of camp, I would just be flying. Um, and 
And so I knew like I was a good responder from it or whatever we were doing at altitude was working. Um, but it's also one of those things where I think towards the end of like a four week camp, I start to just get a little homesick um, and just like miss my bed and just, um, I don't know, just like you're just kind of out of your routine a little bit at camp. So um, I think we're trying to like still utilize altitude without like having to be gone for months and months at a time. Um, so this way I can like essentially sleep at altitude every night th- for the rest of the season without ever having to be like in Flagstaff or Park City or wherever we would go. So yeah, we'll see. Uh-huh. It's only been a week in the tent. So um, can't say that I like have a huge boost yet, but <laughs> hopefully come world champs, like it'll be, um, I don't know, pretty obvious, I guess, pretty obvious that sure. the altitude is working. So <laughs> right, right. I love it. As a, as a 1500 meter runner, how like coming down from altitude, how does it like always feel getting back into speed work? So I know like obviously at altitude, you can't run quite mm-hmm. as fast. Um, like what is, how are, how are you feeling the effects or how have you felt the effects as a, like a mainly like mid to short distance distance runner? Yeah. I can't say that I like have had any kind of issues or have experienced anything where it feels unnatural or anything. Um, if anything, I just feel like I can get to a point in workouts, especially right when we come down for those first two, 10 days where um, I don't hit like that hard fatigue wall that I normally would have. And I just feel like this, it's almost like we always like to say it's like a third long, like, you know, even when you're hurting and like a workout's getting really hard, it just, this third long comes into effect and somehow you can still manage that pace or go faster for longer. Um, so yeah, I haven't really experience any kind of difference um yeah obviously our workouts are a little bit slower altitude um but I honestly don't think the heart and lungs know any difference and that's what my coach always tells me and and when you come back down like the legs will figure it out so I love it Sinclair let's do this let's do normal human interaction real quick the the uh, the altitude tent of of course no surprise we get in the way but I'm Peter Great to meet Hi. you. This is Ben. I'm Ben. Nice to meet <laughs> nice you. Nice to meet you guys. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for just being cool and wanting to hop on here with us and and talk running, talk your career and highs and lows and all this stuff. So we yeah. appreciate it. We uh, we both okay. coach cross country and track at a NAIA school in the area called John Brown University. Nice. Uh, we both ran together uh, in college at a uh, at CCU Colorado Christian University, uh, which is just outside of Denver. It's a D two school. Yeah. Um, Competed against a bunch of a bunch of D two giants in Adam State Adam and Mines and whatnot. Oh yeah, so, yeah, cool. Yeah, so we're yeah. Uh, we we did college life together, and now we're we get to coach together and and apparently do a podcast together. So nice, that's cool. Yeah. You guys must be good friends then. We try. We try to be. We try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a blast. Well, thank you. You're you're incredible. Thanks for hopping on. So it is it is the Running Brunch podcast. Yep. A lot of running people, they they brunch after a long run. So it mm-hmm. kind of fits into the running world. How do you define brunch? Yeah, I feel like that is, it's honestly my favorite, well, favorite meal, but also like my favorite meal to go out for too. That's good. Um, and yeah, like you said, so after every long run, every weekend, we're going to brunch with my teammates. Um, so that's kind of like our tradition, I guess you could say. And I always feel like, just even not in a running aspect, but if I'm catching up with a friend or, um, you know, a family member or something, that's like my go-to um, meals. Like something about like not early morning, 
but like you're still in like the early half of the day and kind of like starting off your day with a meal, like sharing a meal with, you know, someone that you want to catch up with or someone you've been friends with for a long time. It's just like, um, yeah, it's pretty special. I love it. Do you have a, a place in town that is like your go-to brunch spot? Yeah. So it's actually just literally 10 feet from um, my place, which is awesome because it's really, really good. It's like, and... it's like six feet from the altitude tent. If it's 10 feet yes. from your place, it's just a little bit less from the <laughs> right. altitude tent. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's called Bar West. Um, so I live like right in the northwest of Portland. Um, so we live right in the city, which has been a lot of fun. Um and yeah, that's kind of our go-to spot because you can always guarantee that you're going to get in even if you don't have a reservation because brunch is a really big thing in Portland. So you usually um, have to have a reservation for most places. So that one's nice because you usually don't. Um, and we've been trying to get into this other restaurant for like several weeks now. Couldn't this past weekend with Easter Sunday. So hopefully next weekend um, we can try a different spot. So yeah. yeah. I, feel like, <clears throat> I feel like when I think about holidays... Easter almost screams brunch more than yes. any other holiday. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was like me growing up with my family. was always Easter brunch, like after church service or. Yeah. yeah so Because because in the same way that brunch is a little bougie, I feel like Easter, a, a lot of people, they wear their finest duds to their Easter Sunday yeah. service, whether they're churchgoers year round or not. They're pulling out their they're bright kind of spring colors then. And that just screams, just screams brunch. brunch to me. Your traditional yes. brunch. Yeah, of course. Of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, that's sweet. Uh, are there like staples for you at brunch that are like your, like, it's not really brunch if we don't have blank. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it kind of depends on the place. Really just like a simple, like some scrambled eggs, some bacon, definitely have to have fried potatoes. So I guess that is a must have okay, to have fried okay. potatoes. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not a big, like, I'm not a big sweet brunch person. So I don't really tend to go for for, like French toast or pancakes. I'm usually more of the savory, like omelet or scramble or like a breakfast burrito, like something like that would be more up my alley. I love it. Yeah. If you had to pick one or just a handful of old teammates that you would want to catch up with over brunch within the next month, who would you pick? Oh, that's a good question. I probably would say one of my teammates from um, Oklahoma State, Savannah Cologne, um, was Camacho, now Cologne. Cool. Um, yeah, just haven't seen her in a while, and it'd be nice to like be like we are, be a good, you know, like similar uh, sense of humor and just like enjoyable to be around her. So love yeah, it. love it, amazing, sweet. Where yeah. you gonna take us? Um, so let's kind of rewind it back to uh, your early days of running. Uh, first, when did when did running become part of your life? Like, when did you take your mm-hmm. first so like so to say steps into mm-hmm. running? Yeah, so that kind of happened in high school. Um, I actually played lacrosse before I started running, um, and I was a midfielder, so obviously did a lot of running and I think it was just kind of evident to my coaches and my parents too that it was definitely a lot faster than a lot of a lot of the other girls so um I think I really just went into running my freshman year as like a way to stay in shape which is I feel like a lot how a lot of people get into it whether it's lacrosse or soccer or you know um and it just ended up being one of those things where I had like a natural talent for it um 
I, and I say natural talent for it because I didn't like it at first because I did cross country. Um, and so I didn't really enjoy cross country that much, but it was, it did grow on me throughout the years. Um, but then when I did track in the spring, that's when I was really like, okay, this is fun. This is like what I want to do. And, um, yeah, so that honestly, I didn't pick up a lacrosse stick, um, after I switched the track in the spring and kind of just became my main sport and haven't looked back. <laughs> wow. Amazing. And where, where were you, where are you at during high school? Florida. I grew up in Florida. central Florida in Orlando. Okay. Got it. I, mm-hmm. I went to junior high and high school up in like Jacksonville, Florida area. It's like the oh, northwest, okay. northwest nice. corner or northeast corner. Yeah. When you think about those years of running, like, are there any people that come to mind that were uh, just important in like instilling your love for the sport? I feel like it was a lot to do with like my teammates in in high school. I think they just made it like such a fun environment. And I like as hard as running can be, it was always the highlight of my day and like something to look forward to coming to practice. And um, I think I like we kind of bonded over like this weird like love for the sport that is so hard and hurts so much. Um, but it was fun. And I feel like, especially during, like I say, I learned to love cross country because especially during cross country, we, we would have like pasta dinners before cross country races, which was a lot of fun. And, um, it was just like a much tighter knit group. And then you get to track and just everyone's doing so many different events. Um, but yeah, I would say just like, honestly, my teammates in high school really just made it like a fun, a fun thing to do. And, um, I never really was ever stressed in high school about racing or training, like, cause I was just always enjoying it. Amazing. That's you're, awesome. you're wearing some orange right now. It's not necessarily yes, cowboy am. orange. Um, yeah. <laughs> but tell us, uh, was an easy transition into wearing the bright orange of Oklahoma state. Were you already a fan of the color orange or did you have to like kind of really flex in order to become a fan of it? Yeah. Well, I feel like you're not going to believe me when I tell you this, but orange is actually my favorite color. Let's go. Um, and it has been like, since I was, I don't even know in middle school, probably. So it kind of made sense to go to Oklahoma state, but the orange that they wear is a little bit more of a brighter orange than Pops. I particularly like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just a funny thing where I was like, well, cause they're like, yeah. Cause they said the same thing to me. Like, well, hope you like the color orange. I'm like, well, it's actually my favorite color. So Perfect. this won't be too bad. <laughs> and then they upped your scholarship even more once you said, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and they're like, and now you get a full ride. I'm like, exactly. okay, cool. yeah. <laughs> if, if you could speak to like junior and senior, high school girls right now that are considering and looking at, um, running at the next level, whether it's, uh, power five, you know, D one or a smaller school, what kind of advice or just, yeah. What kind of advice would you give them based on your experience just to help them in the the transition? Well, I think like the most important thing is just finding a place where you feel like regardless of, of if you're training or not, that you're going to be happy. And, And I think as an 18 year old, that's a really hard thing to do because how do you know? Um, But I really tried on my visits to just picture myself at the school, really with like the team too. And like, that's who I'm going to be spending most of my time with. And am I going to get along with these girls? Like does, and for me, one important thing was I want there to be a men's and a women's team because that's what I had in high school. And I feel like just having that diversity um, was just a really fun um, thing to have. So, um, that was another thing that I was looking for. And, um, 
yeah, just kind of trying to find as weird as it sounds like trying to find things outside of running or like the team or the coach, I guess, and like training that I would find happiness in and enjoyment in. Um, because there were times in, in college where I was injured and um, really had to rely on my teammates or rely, had to rely on, you know, things outside of running um, to, to find enjoyment. Um, so yeah, I would say that that would be a good thing to look for um, and not just go totally based on, you know, what kind of workouts they're doing or like um, what the coach tells you, you know, you're going to run in the 800 and, you know, stuff like that. So or even just like the prestige of the program. I mean, you've got, you've got yeah, the, that's brand you, and the, name, the, the name and the brand of the school can sometimes it could potentially get in the way of going somewhere that you're actually going to be happy when you're not racing well or when you're injured. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think it's what's the coolest thing about running too, is no matter if you're at an NAI, NAI, NAIA school or, at, you know, a power five division one school, like you can run professionally if that's your dream. And, yeah. and I think, you know, for some people, a smaller school closer to home makes sense. Um, for other people, like, you know, going really far away and going to a big school, like a big football school might make sense to you. So um, I think like you can be successful wherever you're at. There's plenty of great coaches out there, plenty of great teams out there. So um, that is like a pretty cool thing about running as well. It's like, it's so objective. It's like you either run fast or you don't. So find yeah, what, I mean, where you're going to be happy. And yeah. Yeah. UAC's even got, I mean, you got David Ribich, who's that D2 monster. Yeah. who's like yeah. just making that transition, which is incredible. Um, and so, yeah. and then you got what, um, Nick Simmons from the AD3, um, just all these pros that are just making it big or have made it big. And it's like, yeah, it's, if you're running fast, you're running fast. Um, yeah. so that's super awesome. How is, how has the professional team side of things looked compared to your college teams and your high school teams? Like what are there, like, I guess, compare and contrast those for us if you can. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's very different. I will say colleges, you're spending a lot of time with these people. You know, most times you're, you're living with these people, going to practice, maybe even have class together. And then um, you're also going to like the dining hall together. So you're spending a lot of time with your teammates, um, which I did love. And it was definitely like just kind of what you do in college. And so um I guess I never really thought about that post-college. Whereas now it's like, I do live with my boyfriend, but other than that, I see my teammates, you know, for a few hours a day. Um, sometimes I don't see them at all. sleep in altitude tent as well? Yeah. That was, yeah. he, he <laughs> the altitude boost too? <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't too excited about it at first, but. Uh, is he a runner as well? Or does he just get yeah, the. Yeah, fortunately okay. he is. Oh yeah, man, so he's like, living the dream then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If he wasn't, I would feel really bad. If might, we might have to like, because we only have one bedroom in our apartment. So oh. we might have had to, you know, expand to a two bedroom. I don't know. Even if, <laughs> but, even if he just worked at like a Jimmy John's, he's getting altitude training yeah. for just moving around the, the restaurant, right? right? That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. That yeah. was just, as soon as you said, I was like, oh man, this is, this is really important. Yeah. This is, yeah. That's awesome. No, he's in it too. So amazing. Um, but yeah, so it just in, in in professional life now, it's it's just a lot. You just spend a lot more time on your own, um, which I've come to like a lot too. Just because training can be really difficult sometimes, and sometimes I want to run on my by myself, or you know, sometimes like I don't really have the energy to, I don't know, 
like do anything other than like sit on the couch all day. So um, yeah, it just is, you have a lot, there's a lot more flexibility and it's a lot more open-ended and um, you just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to say sometimes I feel like people don't understand that this can be so much more of a lifestyle than it is a job. It's not something I just do for a couple of days. It's something that doesn't stop when I'm, I mean, I'm done running. I mean, I'm literally sitting in altitude tent right now for two hours, like, like, like little things like that. It's like, it's, it's my life. So um, yeah, I think that has been the most challenging thing for me to kind of mentally um, get over of just being all in all encompassing all on running, like all the time. Someone was asking me the other day just kind of what a professional life looks like for what life looks mm-hmm. like for a professional runner and just realizing since it is a job just like anyone else's job, uh, there are days that you're more excited about it than others. There there are days you're just like, oh my goodness, this is this is a grind and I just kind of have to check the boxes for the job. What uh what's what's it been like since going full time and you're a full time mm-hmm. runner? You're not also a student, you're whatever like uh, what, what are the ups and downs of, I don't necessarily feel like being running today and how do you get out you the do door that? and get the miles in? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like the one thing I have to tell myself is that's totally normal because I am human. Um, I don't have to be super gung ho excited about going for a run every single day. Sometimes it's, it's literally just a job I'm I'm here to check the box off. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing is just trying to remind myself of my long-term goals when I have those kinds of days where I just really struggle to get out the door. Or sometimes I think a lot of times, unfortunately for me is I really struggled to get out the door the second time for a double. Um, and I, yeah, just just trying to remind myself this is all part of the process. You know, there's, there's things that are not going to be as glamorous about it, but there's things that are necessary that I need to do to get to where I want to go. So, um, yeah. And then I think too, what helps is having teammates and, you know, I can link up for a run with them or like on workout days, if I'm not bringing the energy, one of them is. And so that's really helpful too. I don't really know how people do this on their own. I know there are people that do and, you know, all power to them, but um, I think I really rely on them when I'm feeling like that. So what, what was the buildup like in those hard moments to the, obviously world champs is a big deal. I think most normal people don't really follow world champs um Mm -hmm. they're they're more like olympic mindset basically it's the olympics for i don't know super bowl world series whatever yearly every whatever um what was the what were some of the harder things leading up to the to those world champs in those like final months of training that you had to like push through just kind of like using the world champs as motivation i feel like a lot of it can just be just like the day-to-day training honestly is like sometimes, I mean, I love racing and I, and I feel like that's kind of my why in the sport. And I just like get a lot of excitement and, um, satisfaction from racing. So when I'm going through, you know, those long days at altitude or I'm, and I'm at altitude for four or five weeks at a time, I think that's when things start to get really hard for me. Um, it just isn't as fun. (laughs) Um, it's more tiring. So, um, yeah, those are the times where I really have to remind myself of like, you know, this is to, you know, make that final at the world champs, or this is to, you know, hopefully, you know, vie for a medal at the world champs or whatever the goal is. And um, yeah, this world champs was definitely like a little bit more pressure. Not only was it my first team, but 
it was also at Eugene on American soil. And as a U.S. athlete, still felt a little bit more pressure to at least make the final, you know. So, um, but it was also a very, very, very uh, cool experience. And, um, but yeah, so I think that was more of a motivating factor for me too, is like, I want to be on the USA team on US soil, like for the first, cause that was the first time in history that world champs has ever happened on American soil. So I want to be a part of that. And that's what was like getting me through some of those long days. As you're, as you're putting on the, the USA kit for worlds, uh, you're looking at yourself wearing Team USA, red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. Do you do you find yourself having to pinch yourself saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is my life? Or or does it just kind of make sense in that, no, this is what I was made to do and I'm yeah. in the right lane? Yeah, I, I more so felt like that. Like I more so felt like this is, like once I made that team at USA's, I almost felt this very like big sense of validation. Like, okay, I finally did what I thought I could do. Um, and so I could already see myself there. I just needed to like have the accolades, I guess, to match that. Um, but I will say when I did get to world champs and I stepped on the track for the first day of our, like our first round, that really set in and became very surreal that I was at a world championship representing USA against like, you know, runners all over the world. And that was when I was like, oh, okay, this is serious. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you recall like when it was in your childhood? Was it in college? Was it in high school that you were first like, oh, I, I will one day find the validation of my expectation to be at that level of a runner. Yeah. I still feel like I'm not there yet. I still feel like I have a lot more in store. So, um, but I do feel like I think my junior year in college um, was kind of when I started to be like, I think I have a real potential in this sport. And then I think from there on was when I was like now seeing myself, you know, with an Olympic gold medal (laughs) around my neck. And, and so I think you obviously there's necessary steps that you have to do before you reach that level. And um, it's been kind of a really cool journey to just kind of see me slowly inching towards that and like ticking off those boxes that I saw myself doing in, you know, 2018, 2019. What, uh, what was your, what was your highlight and what was your low light of world champs? Oh, my highlight was, I want to say the final, but I also don't want to say the final just because I got on the starting line and I felt like I was going to throw up. I was so nervous. It was, I mean, just like there were, thousands and thousands of people and the cool thing was is that whoever was wearing a usa on the chest the crowd was going wild for it. It like there was probably a lot of people in that in those stands that have no idea who i am or don't even know what race they're about to watch but the fact that you're like an american that was really that was like so surreal it was really really cool um so i will say the final just because that was just like just being in the final and having like the whole crowd behind you was was a really really special moment um my low light I don't know if I had one that week was really really fun um I guess my only low light would be since it was on American soil there were a lot of like um various events and stuff I had to do with either it was Nike or I don't know there was so much going on that week um and it kind of put me into a real bad <laughs> hole and 
um, I was definitely feeling really fatigued and it took me a while to get out of that afterwards. So I guess just like the fatigue of the week and the emotions, the emotional, the high was very high. So then obviously the low has got to be really low. So it was pretty tough coming off of world champs, but yeah, as if anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to shift gears for us. What's something that's just freaking fun about the sport? Honestly, I would say like the banter that my teammates and I have at practice. Um, it just who's, is like, who's the best banterer? You, oh gosh. I talk a lot of crap. Yeah. But I would say honestly, close, a close second, or maybe he is first is Donovan Brazier. He also talks a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It's like, it's all, it's all out of love and we're all having fun with it. Sometimes people get a little hurt, but we try not to like get, it's never like too serious, That's awesome. but yeah, I think especially if you catch us in the gym after a workout, that's when we're all just like, I don't know, just poking at each other and just, it's just, it's really fun. It's a really good environment. Love it. That's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's sweet. Um, what have you, if, if you're allowed to talk about it, cause I know Jerry's kind of like, no one talks about what Jerry does besides it's super hard. What are the training differences that you found specifics or non-specifics between like the Bowerman crew and the UAC crew? Um, so I guess the main thing was just like Jerry's, I'm sure a lot of people have said this, Jerry's very strength-based. Um, and so like tempo days could be 10 miles of work in one day. And, um, he was very high volume too, like wanted you to run a lots of miles and, um, that was just so opposite of what I came from. And I am in college probably got up to 55 miles a week, maybe, um, maybe 60 in cross country, but nothing more than that. Um, definitely not in track season. And I, I've kind of always been more on like, like my strength is my speed. And so I've always been more on the speedier side. Like I was, I ran the 800 and 400 in high school. Um, so yeah, it was just very different going to a group that was expected to run, you know, 80 to 90 miles a week. And then not only that, then we're always training in the zone where it's like 5k to like, you know, tempo, whatever it was. And, and there was very limited work, but it got lost. It became like really difficult to race off of. So, um, and then now with UAC is like, we still do a lot of strength work and tempo work, but it's just much more moderate. Like my strength days are five to six mile, like for tempo stuff. Um, today I had a, like a hard workout with a lot of speed, like a lot of two hundreds and like 29 point. And I just never really did that with Jerry. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, it's just more like. I wouldn't say it's very different. Like we do a lot of similar type of training, but it's just more, Pete is really good at individualizing things. So I'd say it's more individualized and it's just more appropriate to where, where I'm at and where everyone else is at. If that makes sense. Like I have teammates that run, you know, like Raven run the 800 and her training looks so different than mine. And when I was with Bowerman, I was training with people like, Emily Enfeld and Marielle Hall, who are, you know, 10 K runners. So, um, yeah, it's just, like I said, more individualized and, um, just more appropriate. 
I love hearing that stuff. That yeah. That's like, I'm, I'm a big nerd about just like different training groups, how they work. And so I love just, yeah. all of that. it's awesome. And it's wild that you can see success on both and, ends. And, and all of those training groups, yeah. which, which I don't know, I feel like it helps us as young coaches to, to trust what we're doing, even though it might be different than what UAC is doing, than what Bowerman is doing, because as long as we're not just being idiots about it and there's, there's some sort of, uh, study behind what we do as coaches that there isn't like one single magic bullet that ends up no. resulting in winning races or running your fastest times. Yeah, for sure. Not. And then, and even too, it's crazy. Like as a 1500 meter runner, um, I did a lot of work with Shelby, who was at the time was 1500 meter runner. Well, Shelby's very strong. She can run 14, 20s in a 5K. I can't yeah. run that. Yeah. And so Shelby trained much more like, you know, a 5K runner, but came down to the 15 and would race really well. Whereas I just probably needed to say more 800, 1500 type training. And I can't train like a 5K runner and run a good 15 off of that. So, yeah. Yeah. This is a kind of second time we've asked this question. We were, uh, we were hanging with Lauren Gregory real, uh, just a little bit ago, Chrissy gear last week. Um, we're here in Fayetteville. So we, we, uh, have cool. some, some fun access to some U of a girls. And, uh, and before I, we met with Lauren, one of our former teammates in college, he coaches, he coaches at a Colorado school of mines. And, uh, he, uh, just kind of came up with this question from, as he's coaching the girls out there and watching them <clears throat> watch YouTube videos of the, you know, the Emma Coburns, the Jess Holes, the Sinclair Johnsons, and, and either seeing the one, just like how they look as runners, but then also like uh, reading on or seeing on Instagram or just all the access we have to the behind the scenes of professional runners mm -hmm. And seeing these college girls, his his athletes, compare themselves to the professional runners just on end, um, which one can can make you like pursue being a fast runner, not how you can be the fastest of runners, but also gets in the way of them like celebrating where they've already come as runners. Mm -hmm. And so they've got a, they've got some girls that in high school didn't even break 18 minutes in the 5k and now they're running low 16s. And yet, because they're looking at the maybe Sinclair Johnson's or the Jess holes, uh, and just like comparing themselves with them, which gets in the way of just like celebrating your personal successes. Like how do you stay grounded in, in who you are as a runner while still chasing after getting better? How do you, how do you be Sinclair Johnson while you admire the, the runners that have gone before you, I guess? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It's definitely tough. Um, cause I feel like in high school, my, the person that I looked up to was Jenny Simpson because she yeah. is from central Florida. Um, and so that was always, whoever people talked about. Um, and, you know, Jenny at the time was coming off of, um, or not coming off of, but she was, or yeah, I guess it, it was in high school. She was coming off of like her world championship medal. And um, that is, seems so far from like where I'm at. And I think like you have to, and if you talk to any of these 
professional runners, if I had talked to Ginny at the time, or if I talked to someone right now, that's in kind of my same shoes as I was in high school is like, it is a process and it takes time to get there. And, and it doesn't happen overnight, especially with distance running. Um, and so I think as long as I'm making progress every year and I'm getting better every year, um, then I know that I'm on the right track. And I think even with myself now, it can be hard to see people run really well just because, well, you know, how it's like you're running that fast then, um, why haven't I run that fast yet? And so it can, that can be a really challenging, um, dialogue in your head of, of not trying to get into that. And so, yeah, I, I feel like I just try to stay on my track and just know that I'm doing the right things to better myself. And, and a lot of times if you, if you try to start doing something that works for somebody else, it probably is not going to work for you. So it's just taken a lot of confidence and my coach and my training and myself to just, yeah, kind of stay grounded and, and just not get too ahead of myself or not compare myself to anyone else. Um, Cause I know that my timeline is going to look very different than, you know, Faith Kipiagin or um, someone like that. So. Sinclair, where, so this is, we're going to go kind of, now we're just going to dive off the deep end into the fun stuff. <laughs> um, we're going to start out with what is your uh, track and field or just running in general hot take? <laughs> this might be, I don't know if I should say this, but whatever I'm going to say. It. Yes. Um, yes. I feel like this is, this is more of like an Instagram thing for me. My hot take is that people try to make running or track and field at least a lot cooler than it actually is. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a slight to like running because I love what I'm doing and it's so fun. And, but we're not NBA NFL players. Like we just don't have that much swagger and, and that's okay. Like I know my lane and I know, yeah, I know my sport and I know like the quirkiness of it. Um, but yeah, I guess that's my hot take. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I guess to kind of follow up. What, what do you like about, this era of running even even though you don't love that running is trying some people are trying too hard yeah. to be cool what, what do you like about this era of running um I do like how I guess like I don't know if this is that just this era but I feel like it kind of is just because Instagram has kind of made it more accessible I love how accessible we are to the fans and I love how like there's just more emphasis on I feel like interaction with whether it's like, hey, like I'm in Boston and I'm going to be at this store for a meetup, like come meet me, like stuff like that is really cool to me because I feel like you don't really get that with many other sports. Like when in your life can you, I don't know if she is this approachable, but can you DM Emma Coburn, who's a world champion and have her respond or, you know, acknowledge, you know, like you can't do that with, I don't know, Tom Brady. <laughs> There's no way he's going <laughs> to sure. be like answering your DM. Yeah. So I do like how like, uh, accessible we are to the fans and and I think it's in part by us runners collectively making it an accessible environment yeah, um, and just yeah just being open to talk to anyone and everyone and like and anyone and everyone's a runner you know so um, just some that. people Wait, obviously do it do it a little better than others speak more on that anyone <laughs> but, and everyone's a runner yeah, for sure. If you got legs and shoes, you can be a runner. <laughs> we we've talked recently about uh I brought up to Ben like who else could we reach out to to bring on the podcast and realizing uh there's a lot of 
celebrities that aren't professional runners, collegiate runners, even just local 5k runners. Um, and was thinking like, Oh, what if we reached out to like Kevin Hart? Cause he runs marathons. <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, Oh wait, I don't anticipate that someone like a Kevin Hart, like you were saying, Tom Brady on Instagram would be accessible. And that's probably smart. Um, but, but it, it's really cool how, like you're saying, I, I anticipate the professional runner being more accessible than a right. Kevin Hart would be uh, to yeah. respond to just a DM. Um, I yeah. feel like it would just go unread for a while. Yeah. I think it would just stay on unread yeah. forever. Yeah. But, uh, but I get like this podcast, this conversation right now is happening as Via a result Instagram. of what you're saying. I, I reached out to you six, seven months ago, just asking for some input on how to coach racing tactics for the 1500. And you responded it only pretty took quickly. Me, like, five months that, well know. but you responded you you responded real quickly and then you were just yeah. a normal human being that forgot to, to email which is right. totally fine you're just like me but exactly. the fact that you were accessible quickly was one just cool and also just says a lot about who you are that you were willing to talk with a complete randar about 1500 and and like full circle i feel like a lot of my 1500 runners have knocked it out of the park in ways they wouldn't have if i didn't have input on like staying on the rail and when to when to go and whatnot and so like oh, your, cool. your input was gold that's awesome so, nice really appreciate it yeah. yeah that's cool to hear and then we've i mean you even have like our so i work at a running store here locally in town and the owner's son reached out to elliot kachoge's instagram like the tom brady of running <laughs> right right was like hey is there any way i can get any of your used equipment and the and he there obviously I don't think Elliot runs his own Instagram page. Yeah, but, but someone, yeah, someone did, and someone was like, "Yeah, totally." Uh, what's your address? And then yeah. sent him to uh, a pair of Alpha Fly twos, signed one to Aww. the Rush Running store and one to him. And like, it was like these are from Kenya, signed by actually by Elliot. Like, there's no way that you could just message Tom Brady on Instagram and be like, "Hey, can I like get a pair of your cleats?" I'd be like, "No, I don't." not going to read that crap. Really good impersonation. Yeah. Someone that would do that. Oh, thanks. Really good voice. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's such a, it can be such a, it's a big community because there's so many runners. Right. But it's also just, it feels very small in that sense. And I guess it's more intimate than other sports are. And, you know, there's thousands of people that play football a year but the community is just so different you know they're they're not accessible to those big time nfl players as like a high school runner is to you know Corey Corey mcgee or you know um even like even someone like probably like shikari richardson i'm sure she will answer you back on instagram even though she's probably super famous now so um, uh, yeah it's pretty cool it's awesome amazing Sinclair, if you're up for it, we'd like to to do a little segment yes. with you that we call repeats. Uh, you've probably already either gotten a, a recovery run in. I don't know what your your day was like this morning, but but we'd like to do another workout with you right now. We'd like to do some repeats, okay. some quick questions, quick responses, probably right up your alley. So some maybe some 200 or 300 meter repeats, uh, you know, long cool. recovery. So you're going to be ready to go fast again. <laughs> yep. um, you know, every now and then the answer might get a little bit longer. We'll call that a 1K repeat or something. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, but let's do some repeats together. How's that sound? Sounds good. Love it. Vin, you got one? Pete tells you that, hey, you guys got a quick workout today. I need you. I need you in go mode. 
What's your uh, what's your go to like fast outfit? What are you putting on? That's like today I feel fast. fast. I am speed. Yeah. I don't know if it's more of an outfit, but it's definitely a hairstyle. So I like to like braid my hair to two pigtails and then kind of like tie it up in the back. So that's like if we're doing a workout and it's going to be, yeah, like this is a race effort. That is my go to. I just need everything to be in its place and out of my face so I can not worry about it and run fast. Amazing. Perfect. Great. Next repeat. You're either with your boyfriend or you're with friends and you're doing nothing related to running. What's a fun day look like for you? Oh, so especially being out here, we love to go hiking. Um, so any kind of hike, waterfall hike, peak hike, um, type like that. Um, and if it's not if we're in a heavy training block in the season, um, doing something more relaxing, we like to go out to dinner a lot or get a glass of wine somewhere. Um, yeah, sometimes the way to to be to keep ourselves like sane sometimes is not anything like crazy fun, but just relaxing. So yeah, gold. Uh, next repeat. You have the choice of seeing the world's most beautiful sunset ever, either. Over the over the ocean, like you're in Florida, over some nice, beautiful Oklahoma fields, or uh, the Pacific Northwest, either behind the behind the mountains or uh, across like the kind of the rocky, cliffy shore. Which one are you picking? Oh, I'm only saying Oklahoma because they have some of the best sunset sunsets I have ever seen. I guess you guys are familiar. You're like uh -huh. super yeah. close. Yeah, we're in the yeah. woods. So yeah, it is. I've never seen sunsets better than that than when I was in college. Yeah. And lots of orange in those sunsets. Mm -hmm. Lots of orange. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. When I was in Denver, we used to say that God was a Broncos fan because it was always blue and orange, orange. at night. Whenever the yeah. sun was <laughs> Unbelievable. Especially Funny. when Tebow is there. It just fit perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next repeat. If you could relive one running moment in your life, what would it be? Oh, definitely the NCAA outdoor um championships in 2019 when i won the 1500 amazing. that was yeah just just amazing <laughs> yes. cool. um what's uh what's sinclair's secret hobby okay i don't have any kind of <laughs> secret hobbies no <laughs> okay um okay. i like i really like reading um like i guess kind of maybe this isn't like a secret but i really like murder mystery novels like Love it. yeah I like kind of suspense and thriller and a little bit of murder and yeah just a just a little bit though. just a little it. bit not a lot of murder just a little bit of murder uh, sometimes sometimes i like a lot <laughs> i like i like i like i can i can get down with a pretty dark book so yeah if you're feeling a little extra stabby that month you're just like give me yeah. a couple extra murders <laughs> yes amazing amazing uh sell us on a book if if i was yeah. going to uh you know either audiobook or or real human being book uh, which which one would you sell me on? It's not a human being. It's book. a human being book. Oh gosh. So I just read a real. It's like a. I don't know if this is like up most people's alley because it's a. It's very long and there's like two books in one, but it's called Magpie Murders and it's hey. by I think Anthony Horowitz was the was the author. Very very good. I just finished actually reading a Colleen Hoover book called Verity, which was very dark. Yeah. And really messed up, but really liked it <laughs> pretty pretty so, murdery yeah yeah of like yeah it was <laughs> what, pretty bad <laughs> what about a uh like true crime podcast you ever listen to anything like that 
Oh, I have it. No, that's okay. a good well, idea. Well, yeah. Magpie for us and, and whatever that Colleen Hoover book was. And for you, uh, you should check out uh, Up and Vanished. Up and Vanished. Podcast okay. uh, season one uh, is phenomenal. Are season. they based on real? So events? what's what's cool about it is they're not just talking about former true crime. The guy that is doing it is from in the New York area, I believe. And he just works for a newspaper and he does some research, finds this, uh, finds cold case, cold cases, and his objective is to try to solve the cold case. And so he goes oh, down wow. to in season one, this, you know, in the sticks town in Georgia, and he starts interviewing all of these uh, just townspeople and uh, and family members and whatnot. This this gal went missing, you know, 10, 15 years ago and. As you're listening to the podcast, you're starting to form uh, your own assumptions and, oh, I bet I bet that person's in on it. And it seems like the the uh, the police are maybe in on hiding something. So it's it's wild. Wow. Um, OK. I'll have cool. to check that Up out. and vanish. Check it out. Up and vanish. Yeah. OK. You, uh, so this is this is a book question. Uh when it comes to murder, I don't know if it's murder mystery or not. Uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Have you read it? No, I've heard about that one. Oh, but, you, yeah. Is that a good mm, one? That is one that it is. It is the my cross country coach in high school got me into it. That the like the original trilogy, and it's one of the very few books where the movie to a book to movie adaptation was spot on. Wow, which was That's incredible. Yeah, so cool. I would highly recommend reading book. And then and watching, then watching. Movie. yeah. Okay. Now I don't know about the second movie. I haven't seen it. Didn't really seem like it was the same thing. But the original, cool. super good. It was really good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, next repeat well, for thanks you. Thanks to the Rex. Yeah. <laughs> so you've run in three different parts of the country, three very different parts of the country. Uh, the humidness of Florida, the flat dustiness of Oklahoma, and then the Pacific Northwest. What's your uh, favorites of each, and your least favorites of each? I loved running in Oklahoma like I don't realize how spoiled we were um with just like the access to the dirt roads there like that was that was our life like that's all we ran on but you could run on you'd make a million different loops and there's just yeah they just go on forever um and then our cross-country course that also is there is really really nice and didn't really realize that not a lot of (laughs) a lot of schools in the country had something like that um and yeah, coming out here has been a little challenging. The running is not great, which is very interesting because it is a big running community. And you just, I mean, there are, there are good places around. You just have to drive about 30 minutes. Um, and then back home in Florida, I like, I like, I feel like it's, I'm discovering more running now that I have more than just, you know, a four or five mile run. Um, and it wasn't just from the high school. So that's cool. But there are a lot of gators and a lot of the, the trails <laughs> that I go to. So that's not very fun. Yeah. You got to watch out for those. Yeah. The, my uh, my senior year cross country regional race, they had to drive a, uh, a, a like a drive a gator uh, the course right before every time the gun went off because Clear they off. had to see they had to make sure there weren't gators that had hopped up from the swamp oh, yeah. that we were running through. Uh, and because it was called Alligator State Park. Uh, and you think they would do it somewhere else so, I mean, in the state we park for them. of course yeah. of course uh but it was uh but there's like alligators the in every lake in florida yes. it's like inevitable <laughs> yeah they're everywhere 
Did so, you did you ever yeah. catch any? Were you a, were you an alligator catcher? No, didn't catch any. <laughs> oh, man, that that was our favorite thing to do on runs. We'd find like little really four footers, and we just like get them by the nose. Ooh. <laughs> Oh you, don't, my gosh. you don't touch anything over yeah. five feet though. Those are you yeah, gotta I was go gonna measure say that... it first though. Oh, I mean, you got are you eyeball it? Yeah. You're like, ah, it's about as tall as me. Ah, I'm not gonna touch okay, that one. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can take it. Uh I can vouch for the the still water, the the endless dirt roads. I just I just rode in a hundred mile gravel bike race. Uh, oh, did you do is it the land run? Uh, I think they changed or... the name. It's called Mid South. Mid South. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. It was land run who... when I was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby is a, he's a character. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't know I didn't know to expect this at the finish line, but he gives a hug to every mm-hmm. single person that comes across the finish line. What? And yeah. so there are people that are coming across the finish line at 1 or 2 p.m. and there are people coming across the finish line at 9, 10, 11 p.m. And he is there the entire time, even while yep. like podiums are going on, he's still standing over there giving everyone a hug. And so I, I cross the finish line and I'm exhausted and I get off and all of a sudden I, this human <laughs> being is just coming and like just wrapping their arms around me. And I'm like, what's happening? And I look and I'm like, oh, it's you. And it's, and it all of a sudden was a really sweet moment instead of a confusing. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah we, we were at the finish line one year and watching Bobby just be ridiculous and yeah. he was like so energetic not ridiculous like in ridiculous in a good way yeah, but yeah good so ridiculous. energetic and just yeah hugging yeah. everybody he was funny yeah. but that's awesome. cool uh that was a longer repeat yeah and we got a few more for you uh my next one if you could pick one runner regardless of the caliber of runner they are who would you want to go on a long run with and what would you hope to talk about on that run that's a good question probably like allison felix Cause I feel like she's just been someone who's been so successful for really, really long. Like ever since she was like, what, 16 years old or something like that. She made her first team. So yeah, I just feel like she probably has a lot of wise things to say. And, and also just kind of like want to pick her brain about like what the sport was back then and how it's progressed and how we think we can progress it even more. Um, So yeah, that'd probably be like my person. I'd want to. Quick mm-hmm. follow up. Uh, like, do you anticipate or hope to have that long of a career? Or are you like, oh, there's that's that's a long career, and that's probably not for me. Yeah. Oh no, I would love to. I would. I mean, I feel like I've always said that I want to make it through 2028 at least, which is LA, LA Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, if I'm still going after that, great. I think I'll be 30 that year. So it's like, you know, you're kind of hitting that area where it's like either you move up or um, you only have like, you know, maybe a few more years in the 1500, but I don't see myself being in the sport just to stay in the sport. Meaning like I wouldn't move up to the 5k or 10k or marathon just to do it. Like I love the 15 and, and not to say I would do it. I probably am going to do a 5k here and there, but like when the 15, I can no longer be competitive in the 1500 on a world level, I'll probably be done. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, that, that in 2028, uh, when you win the gold medal in LA, uh, we're coming out and, and after the official after parties and celebrating your gold medal are over, we're buying you a beer or a wine, whatever you want. We're going to meet you in LA Wait. and celebrate your gold medal. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Sounds good. Manifesting that right now. <laughs> Let's go. <Yes>. Let's go. <laughs> um, if you could give any advice to someone who is 
um, looking up to professional runner or has no idea that professional runners exist and they are just getting into the sport, what either piece of advice or like encouragement would you give them? I would say the number one thing is, especially if this is like a high school student, um, make sure you're having fun with it. Cause I think that's Mm -hmm. like the only thing that should really matter in high school is that you're enjoying it because you'll have plenty of years to train really hard and run a lot of miles when your body's ready to. So um, that would be my biggest advice for a high school student. And then honestly, if anyone, this could be applicable to high school, college, um, even maybe someone post collegiate that is like trying to get a sponsorship. um, I would say like, you really never know what is around the corner. And like, I have had things change for me in a year that I never thought would happen. And so I would say, yeah, just like if this is something that you love and you work hard at it, it's just like, just leave the possibilities wide open and you really never know what can happen. Love it. You're, Mm. you're speaking to Ben's heart right now for sure. (laughs) He's, he's in the midst of, of chasing a a second career in his running life. And I don't know. Yeah, if, 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 it's there, though. if consistent miles and work uh, are are doable as a father and a husband, then, then be knock it out, bro. Two da- two kid dad, Ugh, that'd be sick. Yeah, what um, would it be like marathon or? Yeah, probably half training? a full. Yeah, I'm not yeah. I don't got the legs in me anymore to spin fast, but yeah, it would be fun to see what I can do in the marathon. So, yeah. um, I haven't run one yet. So we don't even know if my body likes it or not. Okay. June. Yeah. And we're going to see what we can do. Goals yeah. like, nice. I, mean, it's not, I don't know. We're going to see. I got one for you. Yeah. Yeah. How do you define mental toughness and how would you encourage yeah. any runner uh, if they're wanting to increase their mental toughness? Oh, I'd say probably like how I would define it is um like pushing past those voices in your head that tell you you can't do it. <laughs> um is basically how I would define mental toughness and I think a lot of of how you can get better at that is honestly just in practice and when there are times in workouts where things are getting really hard and you feel like you're not gonna be able to finish the workout or um you just can't hit the splits or whatever it is like practice on reframing your mind and saying you can do it and saying you're going to do it And I feel like just having that be your go-to motto rather than I can't do this, I won't do this, I feel like can really kind of flip that switch into your mental toughness. And then you get into a race and you get into the same position where you're hurting, you know, where now your mind goes to that, I can do it, you know, I I am going to do it. And sometimes you don't do it, but (laughs) um, most, I feel like most times, you probably will do it. And yeah, it's just our bodies are, our minds are always trying to stop us before we need to be stopped. You know, like our bodies can do so much more than what our minds tell us. So. And I would say, I would say you still got something positive out of it, even if you didn't do the thing you were trying to convince yourself to do. Yeah. It still was like a positive learning opportunity. Yeah. And you probably saved yourself from Maybe if it was a bad day because your body's just feeling off, you probably saved yourself from having an absolute disaster of a race mm-hmm. to just like, you know, really gritting through it, giving it all your gut, all you got. And it was maybe a, a B plus day, but you still learned something from it. And I think sometimes those are races that honestly will do a lot more for, you know, your next race or your training um, than a race that you feel amazing at and you don't have to tell yourself anything. 
Amazing. Amazing. Cool. Sinclair, uh, thanks so much for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. I'm like just sure. super, super honored that you decided to spend this last couple hours with us and hopefully we uh, can see you do well in, uh, in LA here in a couple. I mean, obviously that's a long way away, but it's going to be here before we know it though. Like already yeah. it's an Olympic year next year. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome. Let's well, go. Cool. It was really nice meeting you guys. You too. Bye. Thanks. See ya. Peace. Bye. <laughs>